Assurance of Pardon is sponsored by Logos Bible Software, the most advanced Bible study tool for both ministers and laypeople. Available on iOS and Android for phones and tablets, as well as on your Windows or Mac computer or laptop. Get the most of your time in the scriptures with Logos Bible Software. For more information and 15% off your next Logos package plus five free ebooks, visit assuranceofpardon.com slash logos. Now on with the show. Welcome to Assurance of Pardon, a podcast about the gospel, the Bible, the church, what it all means, and why it all matters. I'm Scott Davis, pastor of Hope Presbyterian Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And I am Gage Jordan, a seminary student and intern at Christ Church Conway in Conway, Arkansas. Well, Gage, this is our, our second swing at an episode, and, and in some the second swing at, at something of an introductory episode. We've, we went back and we solicited some feedback from some, some, some friends uh, in the last few days just saying, were we clear? Did we, are we um, uh, being basic enough in our first attempt at explaining ourselves to folks outside of our tribe, it's really easy to use sort of insider baseball baseball language uh, and, and rattle on a great deal. And yet people that are in our tribe are right there with us. But people that are new to um, reformed theology um, kind of we're, we're talking past them. So here's take two assurance of pardon, which we've named this podcast is a, a line item in most reformed liturgies. Now, already <laughs> we just said a lot of things. We said mm-hmm. reformed and we said liturgy. So uh, it, but assurance of pardon, it's one of the parts of our weekly worship services each Sunday morning. And we're convinced that it's the most important part. Um. All right, so so Scott, let's let's help define some terms here. The first one I want us to talk about: um, what's a liturgy? Yeah, uh, a, a liturgy is basically the order or the format of our worship service. And the truth is that folks in maybe more formal services, maybe like a Methodist church or an Episcopal church or an Anglican church or a Presbyterian church or a Lutheran church. They will use the term liturgy to describe their order of worship, um, but the but the truth is, anybody who has a, uh, a a format by which they do things is having a liturgical service. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the, any now uh, maybe the, their liturgy uh, in maybe a Baptistic world or a non denominational world maybe their their liturgy is very informal and it resembles something like a motivational talk or a talk show format. And it looks, it looks like it has more in common with the tonight show in its format than it has in common with say, uh, a traditional church service, uh, that would be more consistent with what the, the way the church has worshiped for the last time. But when we talk about a church, when we talk about a liturgy, 
we're talking about a thoughtful and careful way of structuring the service that communicates the gospel, the message of the Christian faith from beginning to end over and over and over again. And so what we are at Assurance of Pardon advocating and and banging the drum for is calling people to see the beauty and the helpfulness of a thoughtfully historic liturgical service. So, Scott, you you kind of made a, a strong assessment here, and I don't necessarily disagree. I just just want to kind of unpack this. Um, when you you speak of those that first, let, let me back up and say this: you would say that everybody across the board has a liturgy, whether they're calling it that or not, right? Right, right. So liturgies, literally, liturgy in one sense is just an an outline for a service. Sure. So you mentioned that there are some churches that maybe feel like a motivational talk or uh, have a talk show format. Um, what do you mean by that? I mean, uh, and and if you read, uh, if you read. Uh, Amusing Ourselves to Death by Neil Postman, who was not a Christian. He was a sociologist, and he wrote this book in the early 80s about how um, radio and television and the radio and television era has changed our civilization. And he said what happened when there began to be religious broadcasting, say whether it be the 700 Club or anything – the PTL club or uh, uh, something like that. What, what he said you began to see in Christian broadcasting is you began to see um, Christian ministries imitating the format of a talk show, right? You think of the, the, the famous tonight show where there's an, an opening monologue where the guy gets out and talks, there's music, there's guests, there's laughter, there's jokes, there's comedy. And so what happened early in religious broadcasting is uh, uh, ministries began to take the, the format or the framework of a talk show from the secular world and sort of Christianize it. And what Postman, an unbelieving sociologist in the early 80s, said is the next step after that happens, this is in the 80s, the next step is that what churches will then begin to do, what not broadcasts, but what churches will begin to do is they will begin to take the format of a talk show and move it to a live worship service. And so you began to see worship services structured in such a way where the entertainment of the people was at the forefront. And so it was fresh and it was always changing and it looked more like in the audience, the congregation was treated more like an audience who is to be appealed to rather than a congregation to be ministered to. Well, and, and at, at its basis, then at that point, you could even argue um, whatever you're you're winning your people to, that's the thing you're going to have to keep them with, right? So, yeah. What you, you, you win know, them you, with, you win them to. Right. And so um, you're, you're definitely going to get to the point where each week you might have to jump the shark, right, in order to um, – make make that as entertaining as possible and we'll definitely include uh, a link to that book in, in the show notes um that's helpful 
Scott. So we're talking about something completely different. And even in the way that we introduced it, uh, you mentioned that we're talking about something historical. We believe that in having liturgical worship services and, and doing things the way that we're, we're doing it, we're not just talking about something that the reformers came up with in the 1500s, right? They were actually recovering something that they saw the church fathers and and, the, and the, even the first century church doing it at, at some level, even if it wasn't exactly the same way that we did. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. In fact, um, our 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 Catholic friends would say that the Protestant Reformation was the creation of something new. Um, but but think about what the word reform means. To reform is to form again, mm -hmm. to form that which had become malformed. So in, in 1517, you've got Martin Luther, uh, a German monk, reading uh, the Bible for the first time and realizing one of these things is not like the other. What he's seeing mm -hmm. In uh, the gospel and in Christianity, the way he's seeing it in scripture is not resembling what he's experiencing in the worship in Roman Catholicism. And so the Reformation is the is the putting back into uh, the shape in which scripture has shaped the, what worship should look like, what Christianity should look like. So the Reformation is not the creation of something new, but re- means to do again if you if you remake something you're making it again so the what the what the reformers desperately believed and and, and many of them died to promote was the idea that the reformation was about was about reforming christianity back into line with what scripture prescribes well and and it not only that, but you know, their their Latin mantra, semper reformanda, um, was this idea of always reforming, right? That it's something we're always going to be working towards. We're always kind of bringing ourselves back because we have a tendency, um, as we've talked about, to either make it man-centered or make it entertainment-driven or make it seeker-friendly to we need to make sure our worship services are approved. Uh, and enjoyed by um, the lost, or whatever the case may be, we have such a tendency to pull away from from God, right? And and this isn't something that's just a 21st century American issue. Um, you know, Moses goes up on the mountain to get the, the very word of God, and by the time he comes back down, the people of God are, are circling around a golden calf, right? Like we're always prone to take our eyes off of who God is and make our worship into something um, completely different. And so when we talk about liturgy and we're talking about something we believe that historically is um, not something we've invented, not something we made up, but something that, that we get really even from the apostles on how Jesus uh, was instructing them through the Holy Spirit on how uh, church should be. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit, Scott, uh, about um, why we do things the way we do them in liturgy. Why we have the process the way we do, the steps that we do, where assurance of pardon maybe even follow, falls in that that liturgy, and why we think um, it should be done this certain way. 
Yeah, great question. So let me just use maybe uh, 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 our church's liturgy, which is by no means original to us. It's a it's a format for uh, worship that churches have been using for uh, a long time. Uh, we have a um, we have a call to worship where we recite together a uh, a call from the scripture where God calls his people to worship. And I will often compare it to being arraigned into a courtroom, right? Where the, with the judge comes into the courtroom and we all stand when the judge comes in. And, and in some sense, that's what's going on is that each week God calls his people. He arraigns us into his courtroom and calls us before him. And then the second, the the second that we we have a call to worship, we pray a prayer of I pray a prayer of invocation, saying, "Oh Father, would you be pleased to meet with us, your people, this morning? We have gathered here because you, in your word, call us to come and worship you. In fact, you call us to worship you in spirit and in truth, and 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 therefore, Father, would you give us your spirit in a special measure so that we can do that which you call us to do, and that is worship you in spirit and in truth." truth. We, we, we sing a hymn. And then the next thing in our liturgy is a corporate confession of sin. Um, and, and Gage, so often when we, when we, uh, um, when we come to church, we, we actually kind of come thinking that church is for people who've kind of cleaned themselves up, uh, for yeah. people who have their act together. Um, but the truth is, the church is for people who know that they that they haven't adequately cleaned themselves up. Amen. And in, and in future episodes, we're going to unpack each right. of these elements. Each of these sections, yeah. But, but we, we have a silent confession of sins, and then I close us in prayer. And then, and then, and this is why we think this is the most important thing, the next line item in our, in our outline or in our liturgy is assurance of pardon. Uh, mm-hmm. our, our Lutheran friends, and even sometimes some of our Presbyterian friends would actually call that absolution, the, mm-hmm. the reminder that we are absolved of our sins because of what Christ has done. And so maybe the assurance of pardon would just be, hear this good news, this assurance of pardon from First John, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all our, our uh, iniquities. Um and so I will say, brothers and sisters, that is the good news of the gospel, that we've been forgiven of our sins on account of Christ. And now let us forgive one another. And so I will say, the peace of our, of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And the congregation will say, and also with you. And then we turn and we we spend a, a few minutes kind of milling around the sanctuary saying, peace of Christ. And also with you, peace of Christ to you. And, right. and what? Really are seeking to do is we're seeking to extend to our neighbor that forgiveness that Christ has extended to us. What we're convinced, though, and this is why we've called this podcast Assurance of Pardon, and we haven't called it Confession of Sin, and why we haven't called it the Preached Word or the Lord's Table, is that it's only out of the belief and the confident assurance that we have been forgiven of our sins because of Christ, that we have the strength, the power, the ability to press forward in the Christian life and do this and not feel crushed by the weight of our sin. Yeah, so um, our, our liturgy is actually really similar. Uh, there, there are a few things we, we do different. Um, there's obviously a call to worship, and you'll hear um, – 
Lance or uh, whoever's leading worship often um, will will say, um, you know, this isn't something we've invented. This isn't something we've come up with because we were bored on Sundays. We actually truly believe that God has called us to worship him, right? That, that it's a, a worthy God who has called us to worship him um, and who demands it and honestly has the right to do so as creator. And so he's called us and invited us to worship him because he's worthy. And then we, of course, hear, hear the call to worship from Scripture. We also do, do an invocation. Um, and then we act, we have a scriptural warning. So the, the process of our liturgy is the scriptural warning is um, a passage where we see a big view of who God is, right? So we understand who we are as humans in light of who God is, right? We were created in his image, so to properly understand who we are uh, in the world, we have to look at the one who made us, right? Um, I mean, even we understand this on a basic human level that oftentimes we'll joke that we do things the way that we do things because, well, my dad was this way or my mom this way, or that's just the way the Davises do things. Or that's just the way that that's just a Jordan way of, of viewing things. Right. So um, that on a small level um, is um, correlating to, we understand who we are and a lot of who God is. We have this big declaration of who God is. And oftentimes in hearing who God is, we're aware of who we are as sinners, right? God is holy. Well, uh-oh, we immediately have a problem because we're not, right? And so out of that scriptural warning, we then hear the way of salvation, that God hasn't left us um, in our sin, but provided a way of salvation in the finished work of Jesus. And then we also do the confession of sin. We'll privately pray, and then we'll corporately read a prayer together to fully think through and process what that means and what we're confessing and what we understand. Um, and then it's out of that confession that we then also too hear an assurance of pardon. Um, and I'll, if I'm leading the liturgy, liturgy this week, um, I'll off, often say um, it's because of the way of salvation that we've heard that we're able to confess, right? John three talks about those that have, um, been forgiven we carry our deeds into the light because we know that they've been carried out in christ right like we're not we're not trying to hide who we are we can openly confess our shortcomings or confess that we don't have it all together confess our need for a savior because we know that we are forgiven um and so that assurance of pardon i'll announce it hey you're forgiven not only are you forgiven now you're forgiven past present and future because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And then it's from there that we, we don't pass the peace like you guys do, but we then follow it up with an exhortation to holiness, right? Which is a big fancy word to say, so how do we live in light of that reality? How do we live now because we're forgiven? Um, and we, you'll often hear Kevin and I or Rob or someone else say, um, we don't hear this as a weight, but we hear this as a opportunity to live in light of that gratitude because we're forgiven. And, and you're absolutely right that we think that Jesus has done enough. Uh, we don't have to hear week in and week out um, five ways to be a better dad or six ways to be a better employee or, or how, why you need to white knuckle your way into salvation because you're not doing enough. Uh, in the community or in your home or at work and your personal life, you're not devoted enough or holy enough you're, or whatever pious enough. 
Um, we actually truly believe that what Jesus has done in his perfect obedience and his death on the cross and his raising from the dead and his ascension to the right hand of the Father is enough. So you're assured your pardon because of that. And and that all starts with the liturgy, right? Like those those things need to be announced week in and week out because by the time we get to lunch at Pizza Inn or, or wherever, right, we've forgotten it. Um, so talk a little bit about um, why we do it every week, Scott. Yeah, uh, we, we do it every week because we, because we, we sin every week and we need, we show up on the Lord's day, uh, reminded, uh, of our sin. We, 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 we need, and we need, and, and despairing about it. You know, we sing, we sing, uh, um, when Satan tempts me to despair, this is before the throne of God above, uh, mm. when Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. It, it's a it, That's from before the throne of God above the hymn. And it's so helpful because... What we in our uh, in our sin and our despair will do is we will, uh, in, out of the reality that we've sinned, we'll look back in on ourselves, and 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 focus our 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 uh, on our own obedience, and it'll always just lead us back into more despair. And right. so, what we're convinced that people need to hear week after week after week is we need to hear the corporate reminder every week that Jesus has forgiven us of our sins not so that we will as a as a license go out and 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 live like pagans but because we know that this week that this past week we didn't measure up that it, our best efforts were not enough and that we still we still don't measure up that we didn't really love the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, that we didn't love our neighbor as ourself. And we need the, we need to be reminded week after week of it. And, and when I talk to my, my brothers and sisters in Christ who, who are in other traditions, um, um, quite often what I find is that they are, they are sadly, sadly, theologically malnourished they're not hearing mm -hmm. this they're not hearing this week after week and and they're constantly just driven back onto themselves and they 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 don't live with the confidence that they belong to jesus because they're not getting it every week they're not hearing it every week and so these this liturgy this is, is repetitive it's a, it's a pattern and it's exactly what we need it's exactly what we need because because of our fallenness, because of our frailty, we've got to be reminded of it week after week. Yeah, um, our uh, friend over at 1517, Chad Bird, um, right around the New Year's sent out, um, and I don't know, I'm, I'm going to butcher the tweet, but he basically was saying that New Year's um, resolutions are a reminder of this, the, the guide of not enough, right? That we're not skinny enough, that we're not healthy enough, that we're not um, smart enough or kind enough or whatever, you know, we're not enough. 
Um, and then he says, I just want to remind you that in Christ, it's, it's enough, that Christ is enough. And that's, that's the gospel. And that's the assurance of our pardon. Not that we uh, have it together, not that we can do enough, not that we can check enough boxes, not that we can wake up enough, early enough to have our Bible studies or do enough charity work or ad- advance uh, the social uh, justice cause enough or whatever that, that Jesus right. uh, isn't asking you to do any of those things while all those things may make you a good neighbor and in and of themselves um, have their place. At the end of the day, what Jesus actually invites you to do is um, come to me, all who are weary. Uh, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And there's a, there's a reason for that. It's because he's done it. <laughs> it's because he's lived a life that we couldn't live and he's died the death that we've d- deserved and that he raised from the dead because he was the sufficient, acceptable sacrifice to God. Um, and any anything else outside of that is, is trash, right? Isaiah talks about it, and, and Jeremiah and, and the other prophets, that it's filthy rags, that it's trash, that it's waste, that it's a, a waste of our time to try to think um, that if we just do enough, God will love me. That's a misunderstanding both of what love is and who God is. Um, that because of who Christ is, we are clothed in his righteousness. We're, we're clothed in the perfect standing before God that when God looks at those of us who have put our trust and rest in Jesus alone for our salvation, he sees Jesus, right? He doesn't, doesn't see all your shortcomings. He doesn't see all the times you couldn't get it together. He doesn't see all the times you fail. He sees Jesus. And that blows our mind because we are um, creatures of law, right? We um, are creatures that need, give me a to-do list. Give me something I've got to do. Um, either so I can feel like I've done enough penance for this God to love me, or if you take the rich young ruler approach, um, so I can do enough to put God in my debt. Well, I've, I've, I've paid this bill, right? Um, both of those are um, not the gospel, and both of those lead to despair. Yeah, I I, uh, I have a... a a sad view of Christian sanctification uh, that I, I, I see so often in our culture. And I call this view Jenny Craig fat pants. Um, uh, <laughs> it, All right. There's an ad you see in the paper, you see in magazines and it's an ad for Nutrisystem or it's an ad for Jenny Craig or it's an ad for Weight Watchers or it's an ad for your local gym. And they all have this same ad. And here's what the ad is. It's a really skinny, attractive girl standing inside a giant pair of her old pants with her thumb in the waistband saying, look at me. This is what I used to look like. I used to be an overweight slob and now I'm skinny and I'm pretty. All right. This is, this is the way you sell your gym. Right. This is the way you this is the way you get people to sign up for Nutrisystem and Weight Watchers and Jenny Craig and whatever your and 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 uh, boot camp and whatever your your particular uh, discipline program is that you're trying to sell to people. You sell it with this personal transformation picture. Mm-hmm. And we've taken that idea and we've we've made it 
that Christian sanctification looks like that. That Christian sanctification is me standing up on Sunday morning in my Jenny Craig fat pants with my thumb in the waistband saying, look how rehabilitated I am. Look how much better I am. And what I want to propose is that a, a better view of sanctification is that we rely on Jesus even more than we used to, that I see my need for him is greater than it was the day that I profess my faith in Jesus, that I don't, that I, that I am, my happiness is not in how rehabilitated I am. And by the way, I believe that those things, those things come in the Christian life. I believe that we, we begin to have victory over some of the things that entangle us, but that, but that our sanctification should be marked by the fact that we see our unity with Christ better. We see our need for him more clearly and that that's what we, and that the way that we get there is with assurance of pardon, not assurance of progress. Right. And I think, you know, that goes back to um, why, what the liturgy is made up of matters. Right, every every bit of our liturgy, even if we do it slightly different, um, everything's about Jesus. Right, it's not about you. It's not about how much you've done or how much you could do or how much you need to do. It's about Jesus. Right, from the call to worship to the scriptural warning to the way of salvation to the confession of sin to the assurance of pardon and the exhortation of holiness why why we think preaching is such a big deal and such a such a holy proclamation of what Christ has done um, to why we do communion every week we'll get into that in one of the, one of the episodes uh, why we don't think it's just a memorial that we should do quarterly, that we do it every single week. Because every single week, you need to be reminded that you need the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ, right? And it, and then that's why the service ends with this, hear this benediction. Whether it's numbers, where you're inviting people, may, you, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May, may his face shine upon you. The only way the, the Lord's face can shine upon you is if you've been forgiven. Otherwise, you're the enemy of God, right? So every single thing about the liturgy points to Jesus. And that, that's why we think um, God is... Um, specific about the way that he wants to be worshipped, right? Like he has a certain way that he demands that that we uh, worship him, um, and we can't really play around with that, which is why it, it matters what we say, it matters what we pray, it matters what we sing, it matters what we read, and it matters what we preach. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, there is much more to be said about this, and in future episodes we'll continue to unpack uh, some of these topics of uh, of of these elements of our worship and why we do what we do, but uh, Gage, we j I just want to uh, say I'm so appreciative to everybody who's listening to this and checking us out. Uh, Gage, can you tell people how uh, how folks can follow us and find us? Absolutely. So we are um, on all the major platforms wherever you hear your podcasts: uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcast, Stitcher. Um, tune in with Alexa and Google Podcast. Really, anywhere you listen 
to your podcast. Um, we've done the best we can to make sure we are there. We'd love for you to subscribe, uh, listen to these episodes and leave us reviews. Um, so we can kind of build our rankings, uh, with those various platforms. Uh, you can also, uh, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, and uh, we are currently in, in construction, uh, and building the website assurance So be sure and uh, check that out. Uh, we hope eventually you'll be able to also get access to episodes there on the website as well as uh, we may be writing some articles and things later on down the road. Sounds great. Hey, thanks for listening today, folks, and we'll see you next time on Assurance of Pardon. Mm-hmm.